This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, Nick read Oathbreaker, Assassin's Apprentice by S.R. Vaught and J.B. Redmond. I read The Orphan Witch by Paige Crutcher. It's Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast. My name is Meg Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And we do not have a backwards microphone this time around. We're recording recording forwards as God intended. Uh, and we will not have a four minute long silence or whatever it ended up being. You have my uh, promise. I was a Boy Scout once. I hated it. <laughs> Good job, Mick. And we also ha- did not have... Uh, our young nephews in our basement this time, trying to record their own version of a podcast. Well, yeah, that's why the microphone is backwards last time. I know. That's what I'm saying. Huh. I don't think it makes sense. Anyway, uh, what we are here to do is we're here to tell you about two terrible books that one great person uh, gifted us on our doorstep uh, without our knowledge or consent. But now we've we certainly read them. You, so- you can't say we didn't. As I mentioned at the end of last episode, loyal listener, friend of the show, Katie, dropped off some books on our front step, and the two books are Oathbreaker, Assassin's Apprentice by S.R. Vaught and J.B. Redmond, and The Orphan Witch by Paige Crutcher. And looking at the two books, Oathbreaker looks like it should be a bibliophile slam dunk. So because I'm selfish, as soon as I saw these two book covers, I immediately said, dibs on reading The Orphan Witch, it looks less bad. And Katie immediately was like, yeah, no, that one's way worse. It's unreadable and terrible. But I already committed myself. So Mick read Oathbreaker, Assassin's Apprentice, which was somehow the less bad of these two books. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, it uh, has its its flaws, but it was pretty good. Uh, as far as I can tell, this is the first in the series. I, I Katie, you gave us the first book in a series? I know. What are you classic, doing? Classic blunder. I cannot find anything that says that this was not the first book, uh, though it does not read like it because it reads like, oh, he just got done doing a quest or something like that. Mm. So it makes it feel like a sequel. Uh, but then it also doesn't uh, have an ending, which is also bad. But it, between wait, those, wait, like it, like it's one of those things where it like very clearly is setting it up for there to be a book too. Oh yeah, it like ends on a cliffhanger. It ends Got on like it. it ends on what a, a dungeon uh, Dungeons and Dragons player would call "let's roll initiative." Ah, like and then the book ends, um, which kind of between those two parts, it's pretty okay. It's pretty. I'm not gonna say it's good, but I read yeah. the whole thing for the first time in a long time. Proud of uh, you. Which is not nothing because it was. Uh, a sizable 375 pages uh, of pretty si- like big book. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a that's a big one. That yeah, is a, that is a substantial novel that you've got there. Easy, easy to read. I would say that this is like in terms of reading difficulty, a YA book. Okay. Uh, one of its everyone in the main cast is like uh, 16 to 19 to mm. 25 years old. Uh, but I don't think it has some of the problems that YA does, although there are a lot of capitals, so maybe it does. So I'm going to ask you a question that I feel like is a pretty good indicator of how good or bad a Bibliophile book was. What's the main character's name? Aaron. 
Oh, it must have been pretty good if you can immediately remember the name of the main character. I can't there have remember. been a lot of books lately that we have completely forgotten. I can't remember his his more or less love interest, um, Cammy or Carrie or something like that. Um, and then, so the story is that Aaron is a little farm boy who's eight nothing. He's just uh, working with his uncle Owen on his moisture fact <laughs> or moisture farm. <laughs> You actually got that? I actually was about to make a a joke about Luke Skywalker. I see. I'm very impressed. Uh, Call me Aunt Beru. Um, But uh, he's living at Derry. Sorry, I was way off. Um, He's living on a farm out by the, I don't know, the border to uh, the bad parts of the fantasy world. And uh, You must never go there, Simba. Tomorrow is... Uh, tomorrow is the harvest, and I'm like, oh, he lives on the farm, and tomorrow's the harvest. Why is he so scared? And that's what they want you to think, because it's Game of Thrones grip and rip it. It's trying to be Game of Thrones and a bunch of other stuff at the same time, which I'll get back to in a hot second, but basically, Harvest is the Stone Guild, which is like their Department of Justice, but also official assassins. I don't really understand why it... Is, uh, but the Stone Guild is like they're, they're, uh, enforcers, like a guild of executioners. And then there's these great houses and everything, and they each have some sort of special mind talent except the bloodline. This one part was pretty interesting. Is okay. that basically like this world is in major decline, and like all of these great houses are losing it, all of their talents. And it's a, it's a story, it's a story of a world that's falling apart in a lot of ways, which is really neat. Um, and so Aaron of Brailing, he's, he's a minor noble, I guess, but also just sort of a rickety farmer, uh, gets plucked to be in Harvest for capital R reasons. Uh, I feel like this is very Hunger Games, like the peacekeepers come and it's the reaping, and if your name gets picked at the reaping, then you have to go. Mm. It's very, I'm getting very Hunger Games vibes. I see. Uh, I couldn't tell you. It wasn't past tense, so that's no, good. No, that's good. Something going for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, past tense, third person. It does switch narratives between three major ones, uh, but does it, it takes switch narratives like halfway through a paragraph, like other bibliographies no, we've read in the it past. It stops at a chapter. So nice. Functionally, I'm yawning while I'm talking about this book, which is pretty good because it's like, yeah, it's not bad, but I'm yawning while I'm talking about it. Um, functionally, it works quite well. The characters operate as separate people. Our main character is flawed, Aaron, in that he is basically petulant. Uh, he's not like whiny like Luke was, but he's petulant. Uh, he always assumes the worst of, uh, things and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, then we've got an impulsive girl and then a kind of dingus, genuine meathead, uh, Mm. boy who we don't see a lot of, or I might've skipped that section. I did skip about 30 pages near the end because we needed to do this. It is, we are recording the night before it goes out. Uh, due to uh, baby high maintenance reasons. Um, yeah, it turns out babies can be a little high maintenance. And know. I had two a days, so yeah. yeah. Um, but in either case, uh, I did skip a couple pages and then picked it up without much trouble. There was a there was a small little fight between characters, and then that was it. Um, so yeah, the the big problems with this is that here's the plot: Aaron of Brailing gets picked up for Stone Guild. Uh, hijinks ensue. About 66% of the way through, he gets to the Stone Guild castle. And then at 100%, after running into a minor amount of trouble, he goes on, like, he's about to go on a mission. And so it's like... (laughs) That's a a lot of pages for that amount of plot. Yeah, it's... 
I don't mean to keep bringing up pacing because one time I re- wrote a book or read a book about how to pace a novel, but they do a really good job at the beginning. It's like, here's his life in the known world, right? It's Luke on Tatooine very clearly. And then, you know, uh, Luke goes to do something. I can't remember where he goes in the movie Star Wars. Uh, Aaron gets picked up by the Stone Guild, and then he finds out that his whole parents have been killed, and oh, it's by Sand Raiders, but Sand Raiders always move in a, st- a straight line to hide their numbers. It's Stormtroopers. And instead of Stormtroopers, this time it, it turns out that it was, like, the Brailing, the house that owns the Fief or whatever we're in, the Dynast, uh, just went around killing people. Uh, for reasons, and it's it's hinted that they were looking to kill Aaron because he's too powerful. He's oh, is he the chosen one? More or less. Yeah. Um, and so there's your okay. Now we're with Obi Wan, who is named Stormbreaker, and he has this cool power where he can make storms. Uh, and so there's your Obi Wan, and they're on their way to Mos Eisley, and then uh, eventually Alderaan to deliver this message, or more specifically, the uh, Aaron. Mm-hmm. But then in this version of Star Wars, they get to Alderaan. And then the the movie ends. Like, there's no part where the Princess Leia sees the planet blow up and they have yeah. to change their ideas to instead go to the Death Star. Like, you you lived in the known world for the right amount of time and then you forgot to, to actually get to rising stakes and plot yeah. and the twist and the gift of the goddess and all this sort of stuff. You forgot to do that. So it's like... Things are still progressing, but there, there's no like, there's, there's nothing to really capture the reader. Yeah, you and know? I think it's very clearly because they knew there was going to be a second book, the thrilling conclusion. And if so, there's only going to be two, as far as I know, wow, I know. that's the one thing that made it stand out. I know. I'm honestly like kind of proud of authors sometimes when there's only two books. Like there should have been three, where the first book was him getting taken. And making his way towards the castle and more greater hijinks should have ensued mm-hmm. with a sort of like climax of arriving or what have you. Then the second one would have be, been him at the castle getting trained, the Dagobah, and then uh, with a like some mission or attack on the castle ending two. And then the obviously book three would have been whatever book two is going to be about where he goes out and does things with the kings and the war and stuff. And is the chosen one. Yeah. And does the... Choosing or Easy whatever. peasy. Yeah. What I can't get out of my head with this book is a tweet I saw, and usually I really try hard to dive, uh, to give credit to these sorts of things because I hate it when people are like, I saw this thing, or yo fam, who did this, or whatever. But it's it's Twitter has one of the worst search functions ever, yeah. and it's a very nondescript tweet. And it basically amounted to the reason why the book of Boba Fett is not especially good and the new sequel trilogies uh, of Star Wars has not been especially good is that when they made the original trilogy of Star Wars, it was a bunch of people who had grown up watching like Flash Gordon and samurai movies and westerns and uh, like dogfight movies for World War II propaganda. And then they took all those things and made Star Wars out mm-hmm. of those inspirations. And now it's a bunch of people who grew up watching Star Wars that are making Star Wars movies still. Yeah. If they're not like adding a bunch of these disparate elements to create a big hubbub, yeah. pulp, uh, you know, the pop music of movies. It's basically like I listened to Elton John my entire life and then I decided to become a piano playing singer and I've never listened to anybody else. It's like, here's here's what piano is. It's like, yeah, that's just Elton John, but not as good. Yeah. And so this book is very clearly a bunch of people who grew up reading fantasy novels like this and then decided to write one of their own and i noticed in the uh about the author section at the very end 
uh, has been a lifelong reader and fan of fantasy fiction, uh, was one of the, the co, co-authors. And so it's very clearly that they had been reading a lot of stuff like this, which that's good to have like a genre you feel yeah. at home in and you fit in well. And they write very, very well, but it's very clearly like echoing as opposed to synthesizing, if yeah. that makes sense. And there's some really cool ideas that kind of all got thrown into a big bubbling pot. So everybody has this growl that's like the mind talent that you have. Not everybody, but a lot of people have this growl that's like a mind talent. And then there's the veil, which is sort of like the code of the matrix that some people can see behind and see your auras and you can make yourself look better or worse or whatever. Uh, And then there's like this idea that if you die and aren't handled in the right way, you become a ghost, like a mean ghost. So everybody has to wear a chain around their ankle to make sure that their ghost is contained in their body until somebody can dispatch the ghost. And so that's kind of neat that there's like an ecosystem that exists here. But then we walk along a road and get to a castle and then uh, like there's, there's a really cool world, I guess, here. Not, it hasn't been a cool story yet, yeah. and so it kind of stinks that that's the way. But all in all, I, I feel like I got off real light in that I could and did finish this one uh, easily. I mean, I could and did finish The Orphan Witch. I'm just really angry about it. Mm, I wish well. that I hadn't finished The Orphan Witch. Tell me about that witch. Okay. So when I read the back of this book, the reason that I was immediately like, oh, I'll read this one. This seems fine is because, well, the back of the book makes it seem kind of lame. It basically seems like it's just going to be Harry Potter with a female protagonist. Like the back of the book describes like an orphan who was abandoned as an infant. She went through the foster care system. She desperately wants to belong somewhere. I do love that we haven't even opened the book yet and already we're at... Tragedy equals character. Correct. It gets worse. Um, Unexplainable things happen when she's around. And then she has like an accidental and very public display of power. And she... Her menses. She... (laughs) I'm tired of all these turning red knots. Yeah, I was going to say someone just watched turning red. Uh, Then she receives an... So like that's the whatever, the glass at the zoo and the snake um, then she receives an email, just like the letters from Hogwarts, uh, asking her to go to Wild Isle, like, ooh, this magical place or whatever, where she learns that she's actually magic. You're a wizard, Harry. So I read this and I was like, okay, it's just Harry Potter with a female protagonist. Yeah. Is the official name of Wild Isle, Wyland Island? <laughs> <laughs> is that what its mom has to say when it's mad? Wyland Island, you get over here. Um, so that's what I thought this was when I I started reading it. It, So the orphan witch makes it sound like the main character is going to be an orphan, a a child, a teenager. Um, I feel like the word orphan calls to mind like a, a child who has lost their parents, not a 33 year old. She's a 33 year old. Yeah. So that was that was the first thing that I was like, maybe it isn't. We don't be just a have we don't just have uh, lots of pages of notes. Susan, your notes are spread across two notebooks. No, these are my notes from the last oh, one. Yeah, don't you scare me like that. No, don't you worry. Um, so she's thirty three. She's thirty three. That's what. When did her parents die? So her parents did die when she was a child. Right. She's been through the foster care system her entire life. 
But he was like, that title, The Orphan Witch, does call to mind that the main character is still going to be a child. Or Tatiana Maslany. So when I read that, so when I kind of figured out who this person was, I was like, well, maybe it's not going to be knockoff Harry Potter. We'll get there. Um, What I did immediately find out is the writing in this book is intolerable. And I texted Katie about it, and she was like, yeah, it's it's real, real awful. I do have to ask, are we sure that Paige Crutcher is not somehow Katie's, like, nom de plume? And she's like, this will be a really good way to get them to read my work. Well, no, I'll tell you some of the things Katie said about this book. I'm pretty sure she would not be that critical of her own writing. I see. So I'm well, just going to read so sure. the beginning paragraph of chapter two. Okay. The night fog crept along the ground like a veil trailing after a bride. The earth beneath it was a damp bed of sanctuary. The grass so green it would hurt your eyes if the fog weren't covering it up. The ghost air. What Hyacinth had told Persephone, people on Wild Isle called the incoming vapor water. Stopped at five feet. The contrast made the crop of live oak circling out from the dock feel like something in a storybook. Like, what? Also, the Why? veil doesn't trail. It's the train that trails. Exactly. Uh, they named it the fog, but the people on the island call it the condensed air. What? The, the water vapor. Are they just, they don't have imagination on Wild Isle? Apparently not. Mm. Which is interesting because it's a magical place. Uh, Where everybody's very, you know, sort of uh, imaginative in the way they get out of scrapes. <laughs> They're... Wiley. Yeah. They're Wiley on the Isley. Uh, this book. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that sounds like a knockoff fire festival. <laughs> Come get Wiley on the Isley. Come get we Wiley got, on the Isley. We got peyote and cheese sandwiches. Uh, this book, the writing is awful. I'm going to give you more examples of that. But one of the particular ways in which the writing is awful is that they use these bonkers ass metaphors. A rose smells sweet to the bees and sorrowful to those leaving them for the dead. <laughs> Why? Why do we need this? I do, I do love... It's just so dramatic for no reason. I do love that they're like, who do roses smell good for? <laughs> Lovers? No. Bees. Bees. Known for their smell. A small white cat unfurled itself from beneath the rocker and rushed out to greet the returning mistress and her guest. Its whole body shook with verve and joy, and Moira laughed. Persephone startled. Moira's was a laugh made deep in the belly, and it loosened the focus on her face. Moira's features watered, then softened as though someone had taken a severely colored cubism painting and transformed it into one of pastel watercolor. It was like seeing two sides of a coin at once. She's so ugly that when she laughs, she gets blurry? I guess. You're right on time, her friend said, dark eyes sparkling. Don't you love when that happens? When the moments of past and future bow out to let in the present? It's so rare since they're always scrapping with each other like ruffian boys and girls looking to pull the first punch or sample the best bite of pie or just beat the other back for the thrill of getting on with it. But today, or rather now, or I suppose a moment ago, present wins. What would you do if a person said that to you? I would just walk away. I would be so confused. Like, none of those words are necessary. I feel like that's the ultimate in, like, the the text message that's eight paragraphs long, and then you answer it with K. Like, she, <laughs> she would say all that, and you'd be like, 
Yep. I feel like it's the equivalent of the one that's like, good for you or sorry that happened. Too long. I'm not going to read all that. (laughs) Good for you or sorry that happened. Uh, Coming to while, Hyacinth said, you can go north. All right. Let's just pause for a second. (laughs) We've got Hyacinth, a person. Uh Uh-huh. Persephone, uh-huh. our main character. Correct. Not the Greek god of the heart. Goddess no, of the heart. Our That's main character. The orphan witch herself. Orphan. Uh, then we've got Moira. Moira. This is just a Scott Ackerman uh, just run through because his. <laughs> okay, I. Yeah, whatever. Those who know, know. If you know, you know. It's Irish. Coming to while, Hyacinth said, you can go north or south, but never the way shall twain again, once you've twained it one way. The last I came in from the east by helicopter, it was like riding on the tail of a very determined but distracted dragon. And that paragraph does not make any more sense in context. Is the plot of this book that she is just like confronted with people untethered from like... This is Brock as aphasia level. You're not making any sense here. That's how it felt reading this book. Like there were some paragraphs that I read multiple times. Like, is there something wrong with me that this isn't clicking? Like my my memory has been really off. Like my concentration is really off. We just had a baby. I haven't slept what? through the night since October. Like, is this just my brain not processing the writing? And then I texted Katie about it and she was like, no, it's just that bad. This is today. This is a long road to walk to get here. But today we were talking. So is this book? Hey, oh, we were talking about apartheid in South Africa because okay. in current events we're talking about how do we tell history, and so we were looking at the fact that America is not the only country that has to ask these questions or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of talking about apartheid in South Africa, we also took a moment to talk about Afrikaans, okay. which is a really fun language because it's a pidgin language of of Dutch and then English. And then some tribal languages sprinkled in there for good measure. But it's really funny because Dutch is already just sort of like goofy English. Yeah. And so Afrikaans is a language that you hear and you're like, I'm pretty sure I was supposed to understand that. And this is a book where you're like, I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to get some meaning from this, but I'm just, I'm just not. Honestly, that's how I feel about Portuguese because I know enough Spanish to be dangerous. Yeah. And while in Portugal, I would like get really frustrated because it sounded like a language that I was supposed to understand, but I didn't. And that, you're right. That's how I felt reading this book. Does this book have a bunch of those weird little C's in them? No, it just has really weird metaphors and too many words to get to a point that's really not that important. Bibliovile. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That should be our new tagline. Uh, This book is 340 pages long, and the plot is... Girl with tragic backstory finds out that she's magic. She moves to an island to help out her family who was cursed. They eventually break the curse. Well, at least there's a re- resolution. Like, but that's the whole thing. Well, like, yeah. That's, that's the entire plot. And- there's not even, like, really a B story to it at all. But Kate, Katie described, described it this way. Of, like, each chapter introduces a new problem that it either solves right away, so what was the point in introducing it, or just never gets back to. So the first chapter, in addition to learning all the tragic backstory about our orphaned main character who wound up going through the foster care system and no one ever loved her and she never found a home, anytime she makes eye contact with someone, they go crazy. 
And so... That explains the dialogue. So she has... I mean, I guess that's it. Um, no, until she goes to Wild Isle and meets her family. Um, but so she... Like, anytime she makes eye contact with someone, they go nuts. And so that is what has, like, kept her bouncing around the foster care system. And she has no friends. And she's never made a real connection with someone. And she's so desperately lo- lonely. And, like, look how sad my main character is. Um, and then that really never gets brought up again. Like, she goes to Wild Isle and meets her family, and they don't go crazy when they make eye contact with her, and now she's found her family, and everything's great. Like, oh, that thing of, like, not being able to look anyone in the eye never comes up again. But Mick, uh-huh. there's, a, there's a bibliophile classic trope in here. So as she's learning how to control her powers, she, um, each which has an element that they're really in tune to. Oh, good. And wouldn't you know it, hers is not one of the regular four elements. Hers is something special. Is it either all of them? That's what I thought it was going to be. Okay. But it's not. Is it heart? No. Ice. Space. Ether is her element. Because, of course, she's fancy. She's the chosen one. She's the one that's destined to break the curse. All right. So when we say the ether, do you mean the sort of, like, miasma that unites us? Or do we mean literally, like, half of time? Uh, more the miasma route, mm. I think. So, like, she can she can control space. She can walk through worlds. That did not make it clear to me what this was about. <laughs> yeah. She can teleport? No, she can walk through worlds, including uh, the Library of the Lost and the Hinterland, which is where all the cursed witches went. This is more like Blink or Misty Step than... Uh, I also don't know what those words mean. Uh, well, you need to play more Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, okay. She goes to the different plane. Yes. And you know, she's the first walker in a hundred years. Well, with all of these, uh, you know, cities built for cars these days. Yeah. Uh, magic has its own rules. Oh, good. Do we get a flow chart? No, we don't get any explanation of what those rules are. We just know that magic has its own rules. Do you ever stop and consider the fact that this got published? Yeah. And you're like, I understand less about this. Because, like, if you look at it, that looks like a thing that would be on, like, a the cover of it looks like a thing that would be on Oprah's list or something. It does. It lo- actually, like, again, another one of the reasons... Like it and- another one of the reasons why I picked this one to read of the two was, like, this looks like something that I would see at Prairie Lights and, like, pick it up and yeah. read what's on the back and be like, oh, this looks kind of interesting. Like, it feels like a good book. Yeah. Yeah. Mine. Yours does not. Looks and feels like somebody got really into self-publishing and uh, paid for it to be published by a real, like, uh, published thing. But there's no shame in that. But you you pick it up with a certain understanding of, like, okay, that one looks like it came from Penguin or something like that. Yeah. And a random house. Yeah. Or it's Penguin Saint Random Martin's House. Publishing Group, which I is not I got that on, I got that knows. on Wordle the other day. But um, I'm surprised it's not from Wild Isle. Um, <laughs> That, like, you'd understand if it was this quality more if it had, you know, half a beef on it. Like, just a dude's abs. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I understand what I'm getting into here. Yeah, Smut gets published because there's a, 
lot of market for smut. There's an open audience. <laughs> and some open legs. Gross. Um, at one point, two characters are described thusly. They were more than sisters. They were Irish twins. That's just <laughs> sisters. That's just sisters. That's all that is. Born close together. Two sides of the same coin reflected in two souls. I don't think that actually says anything at all. Yeah, like, there's, there's two different coins. If a good must exist, he said as her eyes fluttered open to meet his, then a complete evil must exist as well. Your wild isle is the gray, but we are in the black. I owe a debt, one that must be paid. You do not owe my debt, but maybe I can help lessen the load of yours. Dorian took a breath. It is time to tell you the story of the library for the lost, and then you can decide what you wish to risk for this being of a place should it decide to help you. This being of a place? Yeah, this being of a place. As in it, the place is a being. Yes. Okay. I thought that was a verb. Just so, like, every sentence is so unnecessarily convoluted. And it, I like, also like the idea that the creation of something good automatically has to create something bad. Like, this, I don't know if that's a, uh, like, a Taoist thing, but this is very much that if there's a uh, tender and mild baby in Holy Night, then there must be a spicy baby somewhere else. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, I, I guess. No. Spicy baby. Give me them wheat thicks. <laughs> Give me that wheat. Oh, I've had that man. stuck in my head all day. That's not just because I was thinking of Commie Bang Bang lately. Give me that wheat. Wi-Fi because Fi. Wi-Fi because Fi. Okay, I can't find... I'm doing all of Harris Whittles is that I can remember. I, can't I know, you're doing a really life. good job, and I can't find the thing that I wanted to read. Uh, I'm going to start a... <laughs> I shouldn't have done this one. There's too many... Uh... A Spanish, Irish, Jamaican small plate restaurant, for, and it's going to be called Tapas the Morning to Jaw. Oh, my God. What isn't, she said, and kicked her feet up on a squat floral ottoman. It's been a small forever where nothing has happened, and now, here we are with the threads of space coming together through the cracks in time. It's like Chaos's birthday party. <laughs> I feel like if you can, if you can basically describe... <laughs> I feel like if you can basically describe your characters using five adjectives or less, that every single one of these characters, one of their five would be quirky. That's very true. I'm just going to read that again and let it sink in. It's been a small forever where nothing has happened. And now here we are with the threads of space coming together through the cracks in time. It's like chaos's birthday party. What does that mean? It means I need more wine. Oh, my God. She also feels like somebody who would have a bunch of wine. And she can't stop drinking wine. (laughs) I just got to get through all this wine. Um, Don't talk to me before I've had my wine and some Adderall and a good cry. And a good cry. So I started out thinking that this was going to be a Harry Potter ripoff because of the orphan and all the things, right? And then I thought, well, maybe it's not going to be a Harry Potter ripoff. It's about an adult woman. There's, you know, a lot of non-Harry Potter-ish things that happen at the beginning. Not everyone is named some sort of racial stereotype. Yeah, correct. Like Cho Chang. Um, 
But it turns out it basically is a Harry Potter knockoff after all. An abandoned orphan discovers powers that she didn't know she had, discovers a magical world that she is a part of. She is kind of the chosen one in this magical world, uh, finds her family in said world, and winds up in the end sacrificing herself to save others. Well, spoilers. Seven. Uh, and as she makes that sacrifice, she is helped by the ghosts of her loved ones. Also book seven of Harry Potter. Uh, so it wound up kind of being a Harry Potter knockoff after all. Uh. Basically, the plot all, all boils down to there's a curse and she breaks it. Very nice. And it all takes place on Wile Isle. Wiley Isley. Is there a lot of like big, huge crashing waves? Um, we actually don't make too much of the ocean. We get a couple of scenes that are on the beach, but we don't make too much of the water. Oh, because if Harry Potter would take place on a place where there's a lot of crashing waves, then you'd truly have yourselves a surf and turf. <laughs> Good one. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I- so it's a Harry Potter knockoff, but at least to my knowledge, uh, Paige Crutcher isn't a turf. Don't Google that. <laughs> Who knows? Um, that is, I think, going to do it for this week. It's a shorter episode, but what are you going to do when the review to one of the books was, eh. um, and when the plot of one of the other books was, there's a curse, it breaks. Well, yeah, but basketball is also a game where you try to put a ball through a hoop and one flew over the cuckoo's nest plot is a man goes to a mental hospital and later gets an operation. So some plots are just straightforward. Yeah, fair. Um, But in either case, we will be back in two-ish weeks. Great idea uh, for us to start uh, a new season and be like, this is is a great way to use our post-baby time right before I start soccer. Yeah. When uh, I did not sit down until 8 o'clock, and that was to record this podcast. So uh, it's going to be livelihood. But if I haven't missed my guess... We have had two books suggested for us by disloyal listener Nick. <laughs> so, friend of the podcast, Nick. Stop saying last names. Katie said her own last name yeah, last time she was on. Okay, friend of the podcast, Nick S. Uh, just texted me recently and said, I have a suggestion for a future bibliophile theme. So, the theme is Memoirs by Early 2000s Pop Stars. You, my friend, are going to be reading, yes, First Step to Forever by Justin Bieber. And I am going to be reading Miles to Go by Miley Cyrus. Thankfully, our library has both of these, so we don't have to buy them. Uh, But that is what is up next for us here on Bibliophile. You can find me on Twitter at Susan J. That's with three U's, S-A-N-J. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dickie Ma and the podcast on Twitter at Bibliovile. Uh, you can also uh, see me singing uh, Justin Bieber's Baby for the rest of my life. <laughs> the intro music to our podcast is ba- Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. Thanks, Nick. Have a good night, Katie.